to the Golf Barons podcast, Tenuous Links, a golf pun we're not only incredibly proud of, but one we're also sure to emulate. Let us careen through bloviated opinions on all things golf, some outrageous innovation ideas to speed up the game, a few laughs, and an historical retelling of an iconic golf moment. Time to add some swagger to your swing. Tenuous Links is brought to you by the brand new Mizuno MP20 range of irons, and more specifically, the copper underlay that creates a feel unlike anything else in golf. We've hit these things, haven't we, Phil? And they are absolutely unbelievable. Welcome back, sir. Thank you. Good to be here, and they're pure. We want to kick things off as we usually do. Get the horrible stuff out of the way, mate. Get the things that we hate. The dark side. The dark side. So, Philip, I'm going to kick it off with slow play in general. Now, I know we talk a lot about slow play and everyone talks about slow play, but I can't handle all the little things like trudging off the green in a par three or marking your cards on the, all those little things absolutely piss me off like nothing else. There's a number of these things such as even lining up putts, sitting there looking for hours and hours and hours. There's a lot in Greg Norman's theory of back your gut feel. And I think the reality is, is that we're going to get close enough if we just back a gut feel. But it's the walking. It's all the other bits. Don't know. It's all the other bits. It's That's just the walking. Take as long as you want lining up a part, but do not then take your time walking off the grain. Get off the ground. It's just a matter of having a bit of respect for the people behind you. And um, I guess some people actually don't mind playing slowly. I personally really struggle with playing slowly. I hate it. I think the uh, the crowds at the Solheim Cup had a few issues with people playing slowly. There was a massive issue again from a professional golf point of view. And yes, it was windy and, and everything else. But there's just got to be a point where enough's enough. Just speed it up because it's becoming it, – it does detract from the game. And the game's got so many positives. We just don't need any negatives at all or as few of them as possible and and slow when there's this constant theme of slow 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 it just takes too long it doesn't enjoy savor as we spoke about the last podcast week yeah savor the time savor the the journey that is a round of golf but also where you can speed up just walk a little bit quicker mark your card off the green be prepared leave your buggy in the right spot it's all the things that we've talked about for years though just is it ever going to change um Maybe we need to get a licence. Maybe here's the radical theme like they do in Scandinavia. You get a golf licence, which means you have to tick off on these little etiquette things to get a licence to play golf, and then everyone just enjoys it more. There's a competency licence there as well. You have to actually be a certain – we'd only get to that point where you have to be good enough because otherwise we wouldn't get a game. No, no, we'd be screwed. Anyway, so I hate that. I'm done with it now. I don't want to talk about slow play ever again if I can avoid it. Phil, what are you hating? This is kind of a counter to your slow play thing. I don't like cart golf. You are a clown. So kart golf, in theory, should speed the game up if everyone is in carts. But I don't like I don't like sitting in a cart. I lose cadence because I have some height issues. Tremendous use of cadence, for the record. Um, I, that is one of my favourite words, You've actually. Done well. um, but in terms of of walking, of what you gain from walking, you walk to a rhythm. It sets a rhythm for for me. It sets a rhythm for my whole body. And carts just blow that out of the water. Now, that said, going away and playing a relaxed game of golf as we did the other day with music and a few other things. There is a real upside to it. 
um, as well. And if you're also waiting for people to get off the green because they walk slowly or want to take a long time lining up their putts, it's far more comfortable sitting in a cart uh, with deluxe chairs and all the rest of it than anything else. But yeah, I'm not I'm not a cart golf oh, guy. I, I, I disagree find with it the ultimate this. rhythm killer. No, I think it's fan. I love cart golf. Yeah, I know, but you're a bit of a weirdo. Yeah, well, if I'm going to go for a walk, I'll go for a walk. This is the whole. This is the whole. When people say, "What do you do for a sport?" Oh, I, I run. No, you, that's a warm up. That's not the sport. Oh no, we're not going to get into the we sport are, conversation. We will at some point, anyway. Yes, well, at some stage, we will. But I'm just not sure today's the day, Damien, because you might be surprised at my attitude to a few of your responses. Have we dusted it off? They're our hates. We've got them out the way. I want to get into the things, the reasons we play the game. What are you loving? I'm loving the fact that golf is the game of choice. I'm loving it. Like, we love it. But it's really nice for some reason, we, or from my point of view, I get a bigger thrill out of seeing um, a celebrity or otherwise put the game of golf up in lights. You know, be it Tony Romo, um, ex-NFL quarterback, who's, you know, having a crack on the, the US tour or attempting to, or maybe take someone else's spot and costing them an urn. Uh, Steph Curry, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, Justin Bieber, Mark Wahlberg. So celebrities as well. Celebrities, golf. so sports stars and celebrities, Hollywood celebrities, but golf is the game of choice because they all see what we've seen for years and that's just how awesome it is and it reinforces to me... You know, just all the, the beautiful things about the game that I think we need to appreciate a little bit more. But that's all it is from my point of view, Damien. But you, I know, have a love. I have a love this week that is rediscovering your form. Now, I've been in a bit of a flat spot for a little while. You've, you've seen me. I've had probably played the worst golf of my life in the last month or so. Some would call it a rut. To, well, I thought it was worse than that. I thought I was never going to get out of it to a point that it was... I wasn't sleeping because of it. I was really frustrated. And then last week we had a we had a lovely game. Actually, had a wonderful course. More to the point, I started to hit the ball well. I played I played smart golf for the first time in my life. This is true. It was literally the first time I've ever seen you do it. To say I know I would normally hit driver here, but I'm not. That's right. Fairway out she came, hitting, flushing it, hitting to the safe side. I actually played. Uh, there's actually something to that, isn't there? It's annoying because I've been fighting it my whole life. But so you need to play smart. Does it actually point to the role of the caddy? If you were to have one, would they be the one in your ear saying, do this, do this, do this? Or more importantly, is it actually just of all the lessons that we get in golf, we think about lessons about swing and lessons about putting or short game or contact. Do we have lessons for course management? Course management. When was the last time you, I know I've never had one in my life. No, I never had one. Other being fortunate enough to hang out with a lot of very good golfers to, to think your way around a golf course. And if on every, if every shot you put in a hundred percent focus and you actually thought about every shot in advance and post, whether your performance would improve, it might slow the game down or it actually might speed it up because you're clearer. Yeah, and it's one of those things that, um, like talking to Kipper, he's told us a, a few stories, um, but one of them that's, that stood out to me after last week particularly was when he, he had a conversation with Jack Nicholas. Um, he was with Bads. I think they, they might have even been at the Masters. You know, He does drop a name, doesn't he? He does. Oh, he, he trips over them all the time. But what he was saying that Nicholas was telling him was, all right, how, you know, how are you going to attack this shot or what's in your mind to Badly, I think it was. And he told him what he wanted to do and why he was going. He said, "Okay, well, this is the way I look at the. This is how I look at every single shot. I've got a, I've got a, a miss. I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this quote, but the concept is you're gonna go with the least likely miss. So you'll go with you might have three shots in in the bag." Two of them are misses you can deal with and one of them is not always go with the two. I think that makes sense. I know um, being lucky enough to work for TaylorMade many years ago when R7 first came out in terms of concept and there is talk about tenuous links, here we go. When you're able to change the weight and put 
move the weights around in the golf club, one of the great things about the R7 and, and move the weight drivers in general is that you can actually heavily weight a part of the club. Vijay Singh, when he first got his hands on the driver, put the heaviest weights all out to the toe because he needed to be able to stand on a tee. He needed to be able to stand on a tee and eliminate one side of the fairway, effectively one side of the course. So he knew that that if he flipped his hands through, he might be left edge of the fairway. But he could at least deal with that, knowing full well that it was unlikely that he's there and then he could actually plan the course from there. And you saw that happening more and more, and particularly around Augusta, where they were actually waiting drives to help promote shots. But that was Vijay Singh's attitude was, I need to remove a side of the fairway. I need to remove a bad shot that I hate. So that actually makes a huge amount of sense. And you see yeah. that with a lot of the pros nowadays, but I've I've never, for my game anyway, I've never thought about it that way or implemented it that way, I, I suppose. So um, having done that for the first time and it working, um, I might have to keep trying to think a little out there. Well, I need to remove a shot from my game, Damien, which is the short one. Uh, <laughs> and no one yet has been able to come up with a solution. And it's certainly not um, about being tall or levers or any other of the rubbish that has been proposed. Well, that was it for me. Rediscovering form, it's got me fired up again. So I'm I'm loving it, absolutely loving it. Game changers, Phil. Game changers, again, it's on this slow play thing and we don't want to bang on about it too much, but I do love the European Tour event that has the shot clock. Yeah, you like that? Yeah. There's, there's so much upside in it. It builds excitement with the crowd. You can see it building angst with the player um, as well and being forced to, to keep an eye on the clock and be ready to hit. Um, it, it creates a whole new element, uh, I think, for the game, and I think it actually just teaches habits, and sometimes you've got to move the pendulum too far one way to bring it back to a central point, and I think that's what the shock clock can do, particularly on, on professional tours, and do you want them rushing? Yeah, I think ultimately it's got to be the enforcement of the penalty, and one of the things about the shock clock is it removes ambiguity about whether you're going to be called to timeout because once that once the clock is at zero then you know that you're going to be penalised as opposed to this arbitrary, I think you made the shot just in time but you've got to speed up, you've got to speed up. Because yeah. until they start penalising these blokes for and, and women for stuffing around and taking too long, they'll continue to stuff around and take too long. I'd love for them to use a, um, a scattergree style timer. Have you ever played scattergrees? It's got one of the most annoying little in the background. You can hear it building up until final bang. I'd love that. That would have got oh my word. So every be... group has to be issued with a cheap categories timer. Yes, absolutely. That you can actually hear it winding down. Yeah. Just to add a little bit another element to the game. Full disclaimer, I may have some shares in categories incorporated. But there's a lot of thought to your point about course management. To get thinking, as soon as you're seeing where your balls ended up, you actually get thinking in the conversations. And if you're lucky enough to have a caddy once it's defined as to what they do, then you can start those conversations early. Uh, and more importantly, if you don't have a caddy, then the voices in your head get control of them and be clear on what it is so that you can just pull a club out and press. That's, that's me to a T. The quicker I play, the better I play because I'm not listening to the 42 voices in my head. 42, you've come down. See, that's the other benefit of starting to play a little bit better, Damien, is some of the voices start to disappear. and leave. That's right. You've got it down into double figures, which is good. Well, for mine this week, one thing that I think more people need to be doing, and again, this is something that came from the round the other day, was actually playing a low spinning ball. We watch the pros and we all want to, you know, have the, the Pro V1s. We want to have the TP5s. We want to have all these balls that are high spinning pro balls. Arguably, we don't need them. And this gets me back to go to a driving range and you think you always go to a driving range and think, I'm hitting the ball so well. But all you know is you're playing balls that don't spin. These things are rocks, but they're going dead straight. So I, the other day, played, played some balls that were not, my usual, I usually use a, like a TP5 style ball. 
I didn't. I used a, a bit more of a rock, shall we say? Not quite, but um, a colourful rock. A colourful rock, but low spinning, and it made such a difference to the game. And I'm thinking I'm going to do this for a little while and see. It's only a sample size of one, but I do need to to play this when I'm playing poorly and see how much of a difference it it actually makes. And I think a lot of the a lot of people have been saying this for a while, and no one's really listening. I think it's just go out and try it once. It's a bit of an ego clip because you think, oh, you know, why can't I play one of these better balls? But in the end, you're playing the game to enjoy it. You're not going to enjoy it if you're blowing out scores and losing losing 15 balls around. And I think you handled, the other thing I'll, I'll say is you handled the concession of loss of spin around the greens well by looking at the upside of the, the lower spin off the tee, which reduced the, the hooks and the slices. I think that also helps that you're playing at a really good course and the condition's great. So it's, And the views are magnificent and the sun was out and we should Probably say, we should probably say that we were playing uh, the old course. It, was the, it did appear to be the old course at the National, and, and I do start to cry as soon as I get there. And one of the finest days you could ask for. Um, but I think you do, you, you adjust your game, like knowing for well your short game is normally a, a lob and check and spin type short game. It became a chip and run game, but you just concede that. You understand that I can't have low spin, really low spin off the tee without conceding something around the greens. And yes, everyone will argue that, oh, this you know has low spin off the tee, all these fancy balls that you've mentioned. The reality is they are still not as low a spinning as a two-piece ball off the tee, and that's just a general advice to everyone else. If you want lower spinning off the tee, you cannot play multi-layer. Yeah, and, I am a high, and I'm a high spinning player. I hit the ball pretty hard, got a pretty quick swing speed, but when it, when it's going the wrong way... You're a bit of a big deal, is what goes. you're saying. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty happy going to some low-spinning balls for a while, and just to test it out, but yeah, that's that's a game-changer for me. I think a lot of people get a lot of benefit trying it out. And it's a perfect lead-in also to the, to the gear effect, just that idea of actually always thinking about the gear and how your bag makeup is and how it works from golf ball all the way through to golf club, um, be it driver, putter... Speaking of putters, Phil, should we have a little chat about the putters? In the latest Baron's Life, we, or you, put nine putters to the test and... Um, well, not really, but um, the putters, are similar to the irons, are really made in this blade form all the way through to the ultimate forgiving form. And if you think about a super game improvement putter versus a, in theory... A, Interesting, a, yeah. I've never thought of it that way. Better players putter. Um, just in terms of the forgiveness, and really the forgiveness is around distance control on your putts as much as is alignment. So alignment of the, is about alignment aid. So hitting straight putts, um, straight putts will come about from lining the putter up correctly, not so much from the twisting that happens when you miss the middle. And the reality is, is we do miss the middle a lot when we're putting. So when you've got a mallet and you're hitting with a mallet putter, it's about distance control and it's about trying to say, instead of having a difference between heel and toe strike and centre strike of maybe one foot long versus one foot short of the hole, we're trying to get it down to three inches long versus three inches short. And you'll find that more putts will either lip in or be able to be tapped in. And that's the, that's the rough idea about having a high MOI putter, but it's being able to concede a look for a performance, which is exactly what we're just talking about with golf balls. It, it's the same thing. It's, am I willing to hit more putts at a really solid length and get more tap-ins, or do I really need to like what I'm standing over? So for me, I've been banging on about the fact that I haven't been able to take my beautiful darling Cleveland Classic design by Ben Crenshaw out of the bag. It'll never happen. It'll never happen. It has been declared a number of times, and I, I it pains me to say it. Oh, is this a bit of breaking news for There is some breaking news, Damien. Um, I have made the decision <laughs> that the Cleveland Classic is going to go behind glass in a wooden, in a wooden cabinet, in a wooden case in my bedroom. 
Never to be used again. Never to be used again. And it's not that I've fallen out of love what? with it, but I've fallen deeper into love. Oh, my word. You are a, you, uh, you are a putter slut. But this is huge because this has just never happened before. And uh, not, for long, sorry, not for a long, long time. But what happened is that I played a couple of rounds with the Cleveland putter, just felt that something was missing and it was really me, but something was missing in the love. There was just a, a disconnect and we'd had counselling and all the rest of it. I then brought in... Couldn't get over the line. My ne- my next guy, which I've always been sitting in the background. You've, you've always had one in the wings, have you? Yeah. And one he, of those he, guys. He looks at me and I look at him and we, we have a really a nice conversation with each other, but he's never been permanently put into my bag. Um, I then went and put a Gripmaster leather grip on it just letting it know that I was caring for it a little bit more and then it started to feel really good in the hands and then I've used it for a few rounds and then so the it's in the bag. started going in and it's in the bag. Oh, my word. What is it? Come on. Uh, it's uh, it's an Exotics DG Proto. It's a, a David Glod Proto putter. Um, it's fully milled, fully milled face, no inserts. I am an insert-free human being. I never thought I'd see this day. Um, I never saw it, thought I'd see it either, but it, there's just something that looks right. It's still very, it's still in very blade form. So for me, my ideal putter, because I do tend to hit the ball across the different parts of the face, should be um, one of the larger, one of the larger putters and one of the mallet sort of putters. But I just can't conceive. Oh, I think you're being a bit unfair. No, you're you're a pretty handy putter. You're, I think you're being a little unfair to yourself. But I, if anyone needs to have a massive blockhead of a putter, it's um, fat man over here. Well, you're heading down that track. Which leads to the question, have you ever had a product that was in your bag that performed better, but you just couldn't get over the look, so therefore you went to something else? Product or a putter? Well, actually, there is a putter that I, I once had, a, an Odyssey 2 ball. I've made everything with it. I hated it, so I had to get rid of it. I know it sounds silly, but I just, I hated the, I hated the feel of it. I hated the big head on it. I'm, I've always been a blade. You know, I'm, I'm a blade. I like things really simple. But I putted really well with it. I just, I, yeah, I just couldn't handle looking at it. So what did it need to do? I mean, there was nothing else it, it could have done. It needed to look like a blade. <laughs> that's right. But that's the point, isn't it? Is that there's, you can demonstrate, and we speak a lot about this, even with blade, you with blade irons, is that we can demonstrate potentially that this will work better in theory, but it just doesn't work better. And even if it does, I'm not going to concede the look for all these other... It comes down to what people want, I guess, in the end. Uh, and what you get out of your game. If your aim is solely just to drop handicap to a certain point, no matter what, and you don't care what you're playing, there's a way to do that with equipment and practice. That's not my goal for playing golf. Yeah, that's right. You need to like every shot, every look, um, which I think is, is no different. So that's why the golf ball thing was a big shift for you as well, getting back to the previous discussion, is that that is a big shift. But you do need to make some concessions to, uh, to live with yourself sometimes out there, mate. Concede nothing, Damien. <laughs> Concede nothing. So, yeah, that was for me, the an Odyssey 2 ball. Uh, what about you? Anything that you that you were using that or you had in the bag and you went, nah. But you're not, you're not as fickle about looks as I am, obviously. He was referring to the beautiful Hawaiian shirt that I'm wearing today. Um, no, I think otherwise my bag's pretty good. I think I'm, I'm pretty set now. I've got, I've got a drive that I like. I've got a fairway wood that I like, irons that I've used for a fair while. And the putter, the me, the, the big shift was the putter. I'm looking forward to trying out the T20 wedges uh, and the Ping Glide 3.0 wedges because I, that might be the next category that needs a bit of a shift for me. But otherwise, the, the bag solid. Uh, unlike you, I probably need a low spinning ball off the tee. I cannot 
concede the feel around the greens. No, I get that. Um, I need to just be able to putt something. And one of the reasons, getting back to the part of the, that I don't like the inserts, is you, I just don't find you get the same feel as opposed to this this block, this milled block of carbon steel. No, I, gr- I agree with that 100%. Once had a, um, I think it was a Bobby Grace putter in with a, it was like a, it felt like a rubber insert almost. And it was horrible. Well, it was not what I was used to and what I like in it's a It's not what you like. Yes. Yeah, it, and it, but it felt like it would just bounce off. I had no, no distance control on that thing. Um, yeah, I've put that many putters in my bag to find one. I've got, I'm happy with what I've got now. And you'd love to know from a tour point of view in terms of what products are used on tour, whether the inserts they're using are the inserts that we can buy or whether pros are going into the tour van saying, actually, you know what, I want firmer, I want harder, I want this and I want that, and therefore they've got 150 different insert options. Um, but I know when going to this Odyssey putter, uh, going to the Exotics putter, one of the great things for me is moving from the Cleveland Classic one piece of metal into the exotics DG Proto, one piece of metal with some face milling. Um, makes all the difference to me, yeah. And let's get into trending for this week, Phil. And I'm going to kick things off with something I've seen coming into a lot of the social media sites, into um, Instagram feeds, um, trick shots, golf trick shots. You've seen every second person Why is showing you, off. You shook your head and you shut your eyes as soon as you said trick shots. Damien, are you not a fan I of can't the trick shot artists? No, no, I think they're good on them, but it's sort of been done, hasn't it? There, there's something about the skill that is impressive where you look at what people are able to do. And, and my, I know my kids love Dude Perfect. Yeah. The dude with the frisbee and the basketball. And I de- keep trying to say, yeah, no, I'm sure it's all really real. I have no doubt that he threw that basketball at the jumbo jet and it ended up in China like, now you see me. Um, it, it just, I, I don't believe it. But there's something about some golf, and I'll say some golf trick shots that you just say, well, that is just an impressive application of skill. Sure. Um, and there it's are others where you just death. go, well, that's just... Crap. But I like people pushing the boundaries and the idea of, of skill and where they no, can... No, you like seeing the legs that are coming out quite often. No, that's I, that's completely sexist, Damien, and 100% accurate, and I <laughs> absolutely resemble that remark too. Oh, very good by you. Um, but, I, but I like that I like that element of just people being able to express themselves. And you know what? If, if it brings someone else into the game, this is the inclusive idea of it. How is this going to bring someone into the game? They're going to go, oh, that's kind of cool. That's like someone with a, a cricket bat bouncing a ball on a cricket bat and doing something with that and then going, oh, now someone's going to take up cricket. But would they not? Would a kid not? No. Would, would it, no. Uh, no, well, that, we're going to have to agree to disagree because okay. I think okay. I think a kid would go and find a cricket bat and a ball and say, can I do that? Just as they would with a golf club and a golf ball. Can I do that? And yes, there are going to be car windows broken as a result or front windows of houses broken or TVs. Is that going or, to encourage them to sit out in the field on a 35-degree day for 80 overs? But you've got to taste it somehow. The first taste of cricket is not standing out in that boring game, standing in the middle of a field, being bored, every now and again clapping and shining a ball on your pants. I mean, it's a magnificent game, don't get me wrong, but best enjoyed from the couch. But if the first taste, if the first taste of any game is not actually in the sport. The first taste that someone has of basketball is not putting on a singlet running around on a court. It's bouncing a ball and seeing whether they can catch it. That yeah, is but the if they're trying to spin a ball on their finger, is that going to make them take up basketball? Yeah, the Harlem Globetrotters are evidence, Damien. It's a very good lead-in that the Harlem Globetrotters have done more to grow the game of basketball than, than probably the NBA. But but I think there's those elements, and I think that's probably what I like about it. I appreciate the, I appreciate the form that they take um, but there's a, a famous trick artist in Australia, Henry Epstein. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, famous trick artist in Australia and continues to do corporate days and was a hell of a I mean, was a hell of a player. But it's really impressive when you watch what he does. Oh, and King, absolutely, King Henry and his 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 magic's just as much fun. And, and but driving ranges are, are for that place. So you think about again the inclusive nature. Well, I'll go to a driving range and I'll try and hit. You know, is a trick shot any different to try and hit the biggest fade or the biggest draw you can, or the highest shot or the lowest shot? Yeah, I love it. I love it, and I love it I even more that you me, hate it. I guess for me, though, here's more of the point. I think they're cool. I like I like trick shots, but if every second person's doing it, it loses its its yeah. pizzazz. It loses a bit of a fair barnacle about it. Wow, that's good. I'm, so I was stuck for words because I was just blown away by that whiz bangery. I can throw plenty of these out for you, but you take, agree, you take my too point. Many. Yeah, there's a point where too many people, flooding too many the enough, 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 but let me choose the ones that should be allowed to continue to do it. trick shots uh, enough now, but yeah, no, there's a couple of those those recent ones. There's one from a, a, new, um, a new ping staffer that, quite frankly, you might want to go and check out. That was uh, very talented. Anyway, moving on, um, Phil, what, what have you found that's trending? The idea around gimmies and the, the controversy or the the grey area of a gimme. Yes, very grey. From <laughs> 50 shades of. And again, when we talk about the club pro guy and the, the quick rake, I thought that was a gimme. I thought that was a gimme. We go away playing golf again with a, a group of guys and there is a general rule that, you know, gimmies are in play um, unless the tournament's on the line and someone, maybe me, gives someone a putt, maybe someone else, and causes some angst because apparently there's no gimmies on the 18th. That's a lesson that I'll learn and never repeat. Um, but again, it's the grey area of gimmies, and we remember the, the Sergio versus Kucha, um, we'll call the Kucha incident, another one. I think we're up to 45. For such a nice guy, he's been in, he's been in a world of hurt, hasn't he? There's <laughs> a world of hurt. In the US mid-amateur, most recently, there was one by the Australian um, Lucas Michel or Michael, um, whereby, again, the, on the 18th, Green, I think it was 17th or 18th Green. Effectively, the match was conceded and the hat from his opponent had come off head of a handshake and then he looked at went, oh, actually, how far the putt was and he said, look, I might yeah. make you putt it. Like, really awkward. And you can see they both meant well and even um, – but but it's just that, that grey area, the minefield that is gimmies. And there's been a lot of very famous ones. So you're, um, seeing, you're seeing them trending back in, are you, or just the, the concept of – Well, I think it's just how – awkward it is and how much gameplay there is um, around a gimme about when to give one and when not to give one around, geez, I haven't, you know, even from Pennant, I mean, Pennant golf is based on gimmies and you can really piss someone off early by not giving them a one foot putt or you give them three footers all day and then they've got a whole one foot putt for the match on 18 and you make them putt it. At the Gary Player Gary Player match play philosophy. Well, there, and there's lots of philosophies, but no, that, that's mine. It was just a very simple, uh, a simple one around around gimmies, and particularly ahead of the Presidents Cup at Royal Melbourne. I think we're going to see gimmies at play because at Royal, if it's blowing and the greens are running at 14 or whatever they're going to be, um, if there's a one foot putt given. I will be amazed. I'm calling it now. There will be some sort of controversy there. There oh, has to be. I hope. It'll come to blows uh, and it'll be funny. It will be good. I'll be there enjoying and cheering along. Yes, we will. We'll be, uh, yes, we'll be putting out two cents, five cents. How many cents are we putting I don't know. in? Is there inflation? <laughs> yeah, there should be. Now, Royal Melbourne is obviously a pretty special place, uh, a dream course for many. But you're thinking, you're dreaming about something differently this this week, Phil. I've been blown away, and there's a lot of beautiful places to play golf around the world. Um, Plenty. And we've been lucky enough to, to sample a couple, but with with many more on the menu. Vietnam, I never had any clear understanding of how good Vietnam was as a golf destination. I read, uh, and no lie, I read your article in Baron's Life, 
Feature. That's not an article. Oh, read your feature in Baron's Life. Make sure Don't you get out there and check Vietnam out Baron's Life if you haven't already. Um, but highlighting the, the Da Nang region around Vietnam, and it really struck a chord with me. So there's another uh, associate that I have who, who happened to be over playing in Vietnam at, at uh, the Bluffs at Montgomery Links and Barnard Hills. And there's a combination of three golf courses, one of which I think at least is floodlit, but all world-class, all unbelievable, all highly accessible. And the thing that I like is they're this smattering of Australians that are being involved professionally at all of them. Um, some golf pros that, that I've had a bit to do with over the journey, um, Rod Marshall, who was, um, was director of golf at Barnard Hills or the head teacher professional at Barnard Hills, Gary Dixon, who, you know, well, who's at the Bluffs, um, and then a, a pro who was at Kilmore, Taylor Murphy, who's at Montgomery Links. So there's a really nice Australian feel there, but it's just such a beautiful destination. And Danang particularly yeah. has not been on a travel radar, let alone a golf radar. Absolutely. And the, yeah, the cultural experience that's there is unlike anything else. It's just so different and such a – this is one of those things about golf that's wonderful. It doesn't matter where it is in the world um, or what's um, – you know, what the culture is around – you can still have a fantastic golf course and learn something entirely different about um, how other people live or how the other half lives. Yeah, so the golf might take you there, but all the other stuff will keep you there and will continue to add to the memories. And it's no different to what we talk about in playing even a, a beautiful a, golf a course, course anywhere yeah. in the world, even locally, is that the golf course might be the thing that gets you there. The journey itself. But it'll be all those other bits and pieces that'll, that'll give you the memories around them. Um, and away go. And did you have anywhere that was on your radar, Damien? Yeah, I actually had something pop up on the Facebook memory feed came up for mine, uh, a reminder of a, of a place that I'm missing, actually, Fiji. Went to Fiji uh, several years ago now with the family, played uh, Natandola Bay oh, five, I think I played it five or six days in a row. And every day it was a different course, just purely based on the wind, um, on the weather, and, and, and plays entirely differently. It's such a beautiful course, beautiful part of the world. Um, what's not to love about Fiji? The people are fantastic. There's no bullshitting here at all. It is one Gold. of the finest places. Is there any course that you've played like it? Because I don't know net and dollar at all. Not really, uh, not really, because it is in, it is completely tropical. Obviously, now you can play Queensland courses that are similar condition wise, but as an overall experience, no, I haven't played anything like it. Which I think is why it jumps out, and I just feel like getting back out into that into that sun. The waters are safe as anything for kids. Um, and for adults too, mind you. Nothing, nothing hurts you in Fiji. The scuba diving, all the, everything you can do there is fantastic. But now that you've got this world class, um, um, world class championship course, there's and it's cultural on the course. You have people effectively living on the course, a little village. I suppose that's what you'd call it. The nicest people you're ever going to meet. It's such a such a brilliant experience. I'm so. struck with the tagline of "Nothing hurts you in Fiji." I haven't seen them use that in their tourism no, campaigns, but should. I actually quite like it. I'll be I'll be trademarking that. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Do we're coming up with some good ideas, Damien, as we do digress over and over and over and over again. It is, but again, one of those, I'd love to get you love to get you over there, you and the family over, and um, get into some or just in, me into some carver. Very cool experience and. Um, the, the most, yeah, beautiful people and a wonderful part of the world. So Now, that's that's my little lesson for you, Phil. Have you got one for me that is a little bit more historical? Well, a little bit historical. I want to talk today about potentially one of the greatest players that's ever played the game. Oh, potential. Oh, my favourite word. And there is this potentially because everyone's going to measure this in different ways. Uh, and this player never won his National Open. 
which is interesting that I could consider him one of the greatest players of all time. But his name was Mo Norman. Uh, you've already got a fan over here. I'm liking where this is going. So Mo Norman is potentially the most eccentric uh, golfer that you're ever going to come across. It was very clear on his theories. Um, Bryson DeChambeau probably has a fair bit to thank Mo Norman for in terms of this idea of a one-plane swing because Mo Norman was a believer and mastered in it. mastered it too. Um, and, and mastered it and was fantastic. Mo Norman, just a couple little facts about Mo Norman. Saskatchewan Open, and I don't have the year, three shots ahead, on the green on the last hole, leading by three. Now, what would you do if you were playing in an Open Championship, and no matter even if it was Saskatchewan Open or the Mornington Open, and you had a three-shot lead on standing on the 18th green, what would you do? I'd just lag it, I guess. You'd just lag it up. Yeah. What do you think he did? He tried to hole it. Uh, he putted the ball into the bunker because he wanted to make the tournament a bit harder for himself so, because it was all a bit too easy. So he putted the ball into the bunker to see whether he could get up and down for the win. Yeah, I've done that before. <laughs> But even just Not to think, purpose. but to think there, yeah, that's right. But to think that way is, is extraordinary. Um, in terms of his renown for his accuracy, um, he Mo was the straightest hitter basically we've ever seen. Is, is that a fair call? I, I, yeah. It is. It is commonly acknowledged that he's the straightest hitter that has ever played the game. Mo Norman once bet Dave Pels, who's the short game wizard, bet Dave Pels that Mo Norman could hit a stake 250 yards down the fairway before Dave Pels could hit a stake with an 80 foot putt and Pels didn't take the bet. That's how straight a hitter he, he was, which is amazing. Um, and then just as testament to that, he used to play betting games with his mates when he was playing on the golf course. For example, you know, if you miss a fairway, you lost 20 bucks. Um, if you miss a green, you lost 20. But more importantly, if you hit a flag stick on an approach shot, um, you won $100. And in one round, he hit six flag sticks in one round. I mean, this guy was a was an absolute freak, but you need, and I say that in the most positive way, look him up on YouTube. If you've never heard of Mo Norman, look him up on YouTube and just watch the approach and the attitude and the clarity. And there's a little bit of Rain Man going on. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it is- It's acknowledged it, that he, he possibly was on, on the spectrum, I suppose, they were talking about. But, um, but it, it was, a rel- it's one of the beautiful things about the game is that it's actually matter. irrelevant. And, but what he's able to do, it didn't matter to him whether the ball was in a divot and he was hitting driver off the field. It, it didn't matter. He's one of the greatest that has ever played the game. He was treated pretty poorly, wasn't he? Um, it, it, was an out, it was an absolute outcast yeah. because he was a little bit different. And that was one of the shames of the, the whole thing is that he never won his, the Canadian Open, but he's left a, a legacy and absolute golf genius. Um, and, and so there in lies my history lesson, or as I like to say, the end of the lesson, Damien. But yeah, I was just I was having a think the other day um, – about um, some of the things in golf that, that make us laugh and the banter that you have with your with your mates on the course. And it was a really long round between Lewis and Fred and they were getting to the end of it. And Louis hits his ball into the woods and he finds it over there in a lovely patch of pretty yellow buttercups. Now, trying to get his ball back into play, he starts just swinging wildly and he's thrashing about and he's hitting all these buttercups and just getting rid of them and just chopping their heads off. All of a sudden, whoo, in a flash of smoke, here comes this little old woman and she says, I'm Mother Nature. Do you know how long it's taken me to build those buttercups? She's apparently kind of English and a bit Mary Poppins-ish. And she built buttercups. She looks at him and says, well, now that you've ruined all of this, well, you're not going to get any butter for the rest of your life. You're not going to get any butter for your toast for the rest of your life. And as a matter of fact, you're not going to have any butter of any description ever for the rest of your life. And then off she goes again. He's a little bit bewildered by what the hell just happened. And he yells out over to his friend, Fred, where are you? Where are you, Fred? Fred yells back, I'm over here in the pussy willows. 
Lewis shouts back, don't swing, Fred, oh, for the love of God, don't swing. <laughs> that will grow on me. That will grow on me. That'll end. Uh, I remember the first time I heard that, I was uh, I was in stitches, and I think I then three-putted. Anyway. You're no Ross Noble. And that's us for today. Tenuous links. Special thanks to today's sponsor, Mizuno, who are bringing copper back and creating layers of feel. If feel is important to you, especially in your irons, make sure you check out the new MP20 range of Mizuno irons. They are absolutely incredible. And for those of you who haven't yet, please jump onto baronslife.com and subscribe for free to get all our updates and issues of Baron's Life, our golf and lifestyle digital magazine. Phil, it's been fun until next time. Thank you, Damien. Let's add some swagger to our swings.